Thank you for starting off your week. It's Monday. Who questions Monday? Back on the air, QP Sports Exchange. It's your host, Vince. And we have a pretty good jam-packed show for you today. What we're going to be talking about is mostly going to be the draft. But I have some thoughts on the G League. We're going to get into a lot of these uh, these games that happen over the weekend in the tourney. I'm going to always cape up for UCLA, so you're going to get plenty of that as well. I have a couple things on the buyout contracts that have already taken place and a couple that are still out there that might be good for teams who are looking to add a couple of vets that can help them out. And that's pretty much it. That's what we're going to talk about on the pod today. Um quick note of business we were supposed to do a football friday podcast unfortunately because of all the rumors that happened in the nba and also your boy got some sort of eye infection over the weekend and it was terrible so i was incapacitated to do pods so how i'm going to make it up to our football friday fans out there is we're going to hit you with a double dose of pods at some time right before the draft so there'll be like a draft preview and uh look out for that so you will not get cheated out of a pot that's for sure you will not get cheated out of a pot all right let's see what else is going on um the weekend was pretty fly. We uh we watched games. You know, the eye was bugging me all weekend, but we were able to watch games, which was good because I got a lot to talk about on those. And really everything else was pretty copacetic. So what I gotta say is we need to go ahead and get into this pot. Let's go, man. Right, QP Sports Exchange back on the air, and we're going to talk a lot about the G League right now. So we're going to focus in on that a little bit, and it's more of a broad stroke than it is anything else. Um, I had a conversation with Coach T early on in the process in regards to the G League Ignite team and allowing the kids that would normally have to go to college for one year to go over and play 
in the G League bubble and how that was going to work out. And was it going to give them the best opportunity to show their skills and, you know, prop themselves up as really good draft picks? That was my whole thing. I questioned it a little bit. I wanted to see how it was going to work. I, I was excited about it. Um, I thought there would be more. I thought there'd be more uh, television content on it, actually. And I know that it was probably held off because of how the bubble had to work and, you know, the pandemic kind of mucking everything up. But, you know, we did get to see, you know, the kids in there and see how they played against grown men. So I talked to some people in regards to how they felt the experiment went in the bubble, in the G League bubble. Um, And I'll give you their thoughts momentarily. Now, the reason why I'm talking about this right now is because of the fact that Mick Cronin, UCLA men's basketball coach, said that um, he felt that that the G League used Deshaun Nix as roster filler rather than to develop his skills, and to achieve his goal on playing on the next level in the NBA. Now, obviously, Mick Cronin has some some bias towards it in the sense of that Dashaun Nix was going to be a grunt, that he was a five-star recruit, that he was going to be at UCLA until he took the G League Ignite situation on. Now, his progress in the G League, what people thought when he was coming out and what made him a five-star recruit, that he was a next-level passer, that he saw things that were, um, you know, two, three steps ahead. People really enjoyed that. But what it did expose is that his lateral quickness was lacking. Um, He didn't have a lot of explosiveness, so he wasn't really an athlete. And they wondered if he could carry the weight that he was carrying. So there were a lot of um, negatives to, you know, what scouts thought of him. Okay. So, and then you got like the Kai Sotos of the world. um, And a couple other guys who were in there. The Isaiah Todd's of the world. And I'll get to him in a second. And my whole thing was every kid that was part of that process was going to need to have a situation where, you know, they were shown in their best light to be able to get to where they need to go. Everybody has dreams of going into the draft and being taken, you know, in the first round and all that. Now, obviously, we know that there are only 30 teams that get to do it, and there are only 30 selections. So, therefore, the chances of everybody becoming a first-round selection is obviously improbable. So, you know, I just wanted the kids to be put in the best light that they could show off their talents, hopefully pick up skills along the way that will help them at the next level. And I wonder if we got there. I know that, you know, the guys who are going to go in the top, and actually this leads into um, a scout that I talked to, and go follow him on Twitter and IG. Uh, his Twitter handle is at NBA Draft Scouting, and I'll spell it out for you: S C O U T I N. 
Take off the G. So it's NBA Draft Scouting. And his IG is the whole thing. NBA Draft Scouting. Um, and he has some thoughts on the G League and the experiment and what have you. Um, he thought that the kids that were supposed to go in the high lottery, they didn't change their position whatsoever. You know, the kids that were supposed to go are going to go, right? They had the talent. They showed <clears throat> the ability to do many things. Um, Jalen Green is a three-level scorer. He showed that in the G League. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga showed his athleticism, his ability to bring up the ball up the court, his ability to get into passing lanes, his ability to show help defense and block shots. So he showed an all-around game. Um, the, ones, the one thing that he did say is the one guy that did help himself in this process in the G League, he thought that Isaiah Todd really benefited from being in the G League and showing off his talents. Now, the rest of the guys, he didn't have a lot to say about it, okay? Um, so, that gives you an indication of, I think there were like seven guys that were going to go to college, had scholarship offers, and you were talking about three of the seven, okay? You know, is this a cautionary tale to the next group? Is this a cautionary tale to how, how the G League wants to work? Um, I don't know. I mean, these are questions that I'm asking. These are questions that I'm looking for answers for. I'm not saying that it's we should scrap the system. I'm thinking that we should maybe kind of categorize the system, streamline it a little, little bit. I think that the guys who are, let's say, the first eight guys in, um, you know, that are supposed to be drafted, right? So let's say the first eight high school players are supposed to be drafted. You know, I think there should be like a, like an actual invite. So would you like to join the G League Ignite team, right? And if, let's say, four of the eight take the you know, take the invite. Now you have a second pool. The second pool is the next eight, right? And in that, you would say, give them the chance to go ahead and be a part of the G League Inc. 19, right? So I would think that you would want in the G League approximately eight every year, but you want the highest level guys that you can possibly get. And I'm sure that Somewhere in the NBA league offices, they have a scouting situation, some kind of scouting index that would allow us to say, okay, these are the top eight guys that we think will be drafted when they're draft eligible. These are the next eight guys. So we'll send out, you know, invites to the first eight. We'll see how many we get. If we get three then we'll send out, you know, the next five and see if we can get some of those guys to come. G League should look for six to eight guys every year. You know, I'm never going to sit here and say they should look for only two or three or whatever the case may be. They should look for about six to eight guys to fill a roster 
put them around professionals and see what comes of it. And then after that, what you do is that's it. And then the rest of the guys go to college. They go to their one year of eligibility, play it. And then if they see that they are, you know, where they want to be in the draft, come out. If they don't, you know, they can stay in another year and they can see what they can fix and have a good college experience. The one thing that I saw um, in this tournament that I really liked, and we'll get more into the tournament later, um, is just the high level of basketball that's played by Gonzaga. And we'll really touch on that a little bit later. But I just saw how there were two lottery picks on that team. Uh, Jalen Suggs, who will probably go within the first five picks of this upcoming draft, and Corey Kispert. Now, I saw a game yesterday that those guys didn't have, like, incredible impact on the game, but they played within the system. You could see they were comfortable, um, and it just looked pretty. And uh, we'll delve into that a little bit more, but... I just wanted to get some thoughts from some people that I trusted to see what they felt about the G League experiment year one. And so far, you know, people like it. Um, I actually, shout out to Jeff Goodman of the stadium because he hit me back because I asked him the same question. And his response was that he enjoys the opportunity that it gives the kids, you know, so the kids can have options or what they want to do with their basketball career. And when somebody like Jeff Goodman, who I respect, who has been doing this for a long, long time, is telling me that he likes the, he likes the experiment, I have to go with that. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, we just want the kids to be able to have an opportunity to show off their talents the best way they think they know how. And... They have to just know themselves. They have to know themselves and look at themselves in the mirror and really critique who they are. I hope they're not getting bad advice from whomever is around them. That's always been my thing is that, you know, I want not everybody can have an NBA career. But what I want to see is the dudes that really should have a shot at the NBA get that shot and they're not just kind of pinched by happenstance or, you know, bad advice and came out a year early and struggled and spent, you know, 10 years over in Europe. Not saying that's a, not a bad thing, but, you know, if their whole dream was to get to the NBA, I would love for them to have the best vehicle to be able to do that. So... That's pretty much all I was saying. I want to definitely give a shout out to the stadium's Jeff Goodman. You can get him on Twitter at Goodman Hoops on Twitter. That's G-O-O-D-M-A-N-H-O-O-P-S. He is a good to great Twitter follow. There's a lot of good information that comes from Jeff. Um, and like I said, he's been doing it for a long time. So shout out to Jeff for hitting me back. And also, please go give NBA Draft Scout a follow. His uh, IG is NBA Draft Scouting. His Twitter is at NBA Draft Scout 10. So 
take the G off and you got it and you follow him and it's a good follow as well. All right. So we're going to get into what the tournament had for us over the weekend. Some of my thoughts on it and we'll get back to this very, very soon. So hold on for one second and we'll see you back here in a minute. college hoop heads you know what time it is it's time to talk about the tournament i'm gonna give you my thoughts on what i saw over the weekend and some things to my kind of get you thinking about what is coming up what the future lies ahead for some of these programs and some of these guys that are in the tournament right now or just left my first thoughts is that gonzaga is is awesome. I mean, we've been talking about it all year, but to see them play and to see them move the basketball and to see them move without the basketball is just a pleasure to watch. Man, I tell you what, if I had a kid and that kid was, you know, on that level to kind of go to school, that's a school that I might look at. Because they play the game the right way. And I think it gets you ready for the league. Because you're not going to come in usually and just hold it down and start doing James Harden dribbles for 22 seconds. And then just fall back and bust somebody's eye out with a three. Okay? That usually doesn't happen. So you have to learn how to play in a team setting. You have to learn how to share the sugar. You know what I'm saying? You got to make sure that you're getting all hands involved and passing the basketball and making the defense work as much as possible. Because all you're doing is looking for an open shot. And that's all Gonzaga does is they look for an open shot, a good look at the tent. So it was great to watch them. Um, some of my takeaways from Gonzaga so far is that the the lottery picks Jalen Suggs the freshman who's a one and dunner he looks really comfortable in the offense but he does not press for touches he doesn't seek and hunt the basketball he's very adept at just passing the ball along and cutting and moving and getting to his spot and looking for his open shot if it's not there, move, move the ball along. And Corey Kispert is the same way. This guy, yeah, he can stroke it from the outside. He's definitely just a marksman right now from the outside. But he's not hunting shots either. These guys aren't taking 18, 20 shots or anything like that. They're allowing the offense to flow. They're allowing everybody to touch the basketball. 
they're allowing the hot hand to stay hot. I mean, it's it's next level stuff going on in Gonzaga, and you can definitely see why they are the number one overall seed. There is no question about who the number one team in the country is, and there is no question about who looks the best so far. That's Gonzaga. Hands down, I'm not going to lie. You know I'm a UCLA fan, but I'm going to give it to you real. Gonzaga looks super tough. And then what did Gonzaga do? They picked up commitment number 13 overall, Hunter Salas. They picked up Hunter Salas from um, Nebraska. And he's the 13th overall prospect uh, coming out of high school. He's a combo guard, 6'5". Who does that sound like? <clears throat> Jalen Suggs. Good shooter, good athlete. <clears throat> Who's that sound like? Jalen Suggs. Um, and five-star recruit. <clears throat> Jalen Suggs. So, the rich get richer. They are a blue blood program now. They're getting five stars on a regular basis. So, Gonzaga is doing it real well. Hats off to Mark Few and the program he built up in Spokane, Washington. This is the type of program that I'm looking at going... I hope the people in Westwood are looking at and going, like, let Cronin cook. You know, let him do his thing. Because if you just kind of close your eyes for a second and allow Cronin seven years to eight years in this program, you're going to see some great things over these next five, you know, six years. You know, this dude has been with the program for two now. So I'm looking at Few, and I'm looking at his program as the prototype for what I like to see at UCLA. So I guess my uh, my plea to the uh, chancellors and the alumni and the boosters, allow Cronin to cook because we might have Mark Few in our midst in Westwood. But Gonzaga's playing well. I like to see it. I like to see how they're just sharing the ball. I like their defensive intensity. They don't leave any stone unturned. Okay? They get after you defensively. They will move the ball around for the best shot offensively. So, they're really hard to guard, and they can guard you up. So, we'll see how the rest of the tournament plays out for them because I still love this tournament because all it takes is one bad game and you are gone ask all of the big 10 except for michigan all of the big 10 except for michigan it's like that now we're gonna move on to other things i saw in the tournament and i'm gonna give you a little breakdown of pretty much all the games we saw the houston syracuse game what it reminded me of is this, is that I saw that game, I watched the game fully, and was it me, or was it shocking to anyone else to see how more athletic Houston was to Syracuse? Now, I grew up in, you know, the 80s. I grew up around Big East basketball, you know, even out here on the West Coast in the La La you know, I remember names like Derek Coleman and Steve and Stephen Thompson and Ronnie Cycli 
and Hakeem Warwick and obviously Carmelo Anthony. I remember the great Syracuse teams of the past and it was just shocking to me to see how more athletic Houston was compared to what Syracuse was. It just struck me, you know. Um, and obviously they lost and they went down, but they gave it a good run. Buddy Bayheim did his thing, and it was just not enough. The Houston Cougars. Baylor Villanova game. It was obvious that the guard pressure by Baylor was too much for Nova. Um, and then when Brandon Slater went out when he got hurt, that was pretty much a wrap for that game. Villanova was just really um, hamstrung by the loss of Colin Gillespie. That guy was just a tremendous ball handler, and you could tell that they just succumbed to the pressure of the Baylor guards, um, Jerry Butler and Davion Mitchell. Those guys put a bunch of ball pressure on. They hounded those guards, and when Brandon uh, Slater went out, it was over. You could just tell. That game was over. They didn't have the troops to hang with Baylor anymore. And that that's what happens in the tournament. But Baylor's ball pressure is next level. And uh, we're going to see these guys play in the NBA. That's for sure. I don't know what they're going to be. But I do know this. If you want two attack dogs in your backcourt, Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell from Baylor, they can get it done. They got a lot of Patrick Beverly in them. A lot of Patrick Beverly. So, we'll see what they do when it comes to the end of their run in the tournament. We'll see what they do if they're going to come back or enter the draft. But, we will see. But, that game really was just Baylor getting it after it. And, uh, their defense is next level for sure. Now, on to Oregon State and Illinois of Chicago. <clears throat> the impression there was senior guard Ethan Thomas Thompson. His flashing of his smile and dropping buckets on them and everybody else in the tournament. This dude has just been getting it done all tournament long. You can't really fault him smiling. Why? Because he's having a lot of fun out there. And why is he having a lot of fun? Because he's raining buckets down on people. He is a bucket getter. Buckets seem to gravitate towards him. And he's going to continue to put up numbers in this tournament. So, I can't wait to see what that matchup is going to look like, man. That's going to be crazy. Now, let's talk about the Oral Roberts-Arkansas game. Okay, First and foremost, I'm going to shout out my guy again, NBA Draft Scouting on IG, NBA Draft Scouting on Twitter. He said that Max Asmus really improved his draft stock in this tournament, and I cannot agree more. Follow that dude. He, he's a good follow. But what he said is that he really felt that Aceman's definitely improved his draft stock. And we also talked about one other thing. 
This is a critical situation for him, Max Azemus, and I'll tell you why. He's an undersized guard. He'll have to play point guard in the NBA. But I'm going to tell you right now, an energy bucket getter off the bench, if people in the NBA and talent evaluators in the NBA do not see this in him and see what the potential of him being able to light somebody up every once in a while for like 20, 23, 24 off the bench, if people aren't seeing that and how he can organize an offense and how he can use pick and roll, and use his quickness to get into the lane and then kick out. If people aren't seeing that, then they're missing the boat. And uh, again, shout out to my guy who I got to talk to. It was a pleasure. And uh, we'll be hitting him up every once in a while as we get closer to the draft. Because that dude was on point And he was on target with Max Azemus. So that dude nearly knocked in the three-pointer at the end of the game. He rose up like a G. Like, he looked at that shot and said, oh, this is going in. And to tell you the truth, until it went off the front of the rim, I thought it was going in too because he got buckets all game long against Arkansas. It was ugly. He was blowing past people without a problem. So, and his running mate was getting buckets as well. Or Roberts was a problem for a lot of people, and Arkansas was lucky to get past them. They were very fortunate to get past them. And I'm still waiting on Moses Moody, who is a potential lottery pick, to, to show something in this tournament. Now, he's been more than willing to go ahead and allow the offense to flow, but I think sometimes when you got that kind of game and you got that kind of presence, Sometimes you have to impose your will on the game to maximize your team's chances of winning. So Moses Moody has another shot at showing what he can do and showing the talent evaluators of the NBA what he can do at the next level. And I hope that he does maximize that situation. But Arkansas was fortunate to get past Oral Roberts. And it wasn't a fluke. Those guys stuck with them. They tried to put pressure on them. And they were not phased by the defensive pressure and the try to stop the ball. They couldn't because Max Aismas was in the lane where he wanted to be in the lane. Now, we're going to move on to the Michigan-Florida State game. And the one thing that I saw in that is this. This was a game of identities. Michigan knew exactly who they were on offense and defense. And I, I found Florida State to not know who they were. That Seminole team, they went away from what was working. There was a um, point in the game, and I think it was in early in the second half, they went to a high screening roll, and it was working. It was effective. Scotty Barnes was getting downhill. He was getting to the bucket. He was kicking out. And for some reason, they went away from it. And when they went away from it, their chances of winning went out the window. They start jacking up threes, and they start just, oh, we're the Golden State Warriors. And I'm sitting there going like, hey, player, now one of you are Steph Curry. Okay, so you need to lay off that, go back to what you need to do is 
you have the athletic advantage over Michigan. Florida State definitely could have used their athleticism at the at the ten to get fouls, get and ones, but they didn't do it. I don't know why they went away from that high screening role. You know, that's a question that maybe some of the reporters down in uh, Tallahassee can ask Leonard Hamilton, you know, who's a great coach. But when they went away from that, I really thought that their chances of winning that game just went completely out the window. And keep in mind, they were down by like 10 or 11 at that point. So it wasn't like, oh, we're down by three and, you know, we just got to make sure our, our offensive flow goes well. No. They were down by 10-11. They had to switch it up. They did. I started to see improvement. They were getting down by 8-7. And then all of a sudden, they went away from it. And then the lead was back up to 15. So, you know, um, when you know what you are and you know what you can do and you stick to it, this is what happens. And then the last game was the USC-Oregon game. Um. Draft Scout again told me Chris Duarte from Oregon definitely improved his draft stock. And this is somebody that QP Sports Exchange is going to be on a high lookout for as the draft comes up. Chris Duarte is a 6'6", 6'7", senior out of Oregon. Uh, he's a guard He's a guard forward combo. He definitely can stroke it from three. He has some playmaking ability, which is excellent, and he can D you up. Now, I don't you know if he's going to be the best one-on-one defender, but the one thing that you'll never have to worry about is effort with him. He's a great effort guy. He always wants to be in the passing lane. He's on the ground. He's going for loose balls. So as far as scrappy, as far as uh, want it, a little bit more than everybody else on the court. He has a lot in that in his game like that. He's kind of a pet bull mentality guy. But the one thing that he can do is he can organize an offense. Okay? I don't know if he's a primary ball handler per se, but he's definitely a secondary ball handler. And him getting into the right set, him getting into that zone that USC had, that was the most effective that Oregon was last night against USC is when Chris Doherty went into the middle of that zone and turned and faced the basket, and then he had options in front of him either passing the ball to somebody down low on a cut or going to the going to the rim himself. So the one thing that I saw with that was, hey, man, this dude can get buckets, and he knows how to control himself and his tempo and not get caught up in the moment a lot, and that's going to serve him well at the next level. And, again, man, thanks to my dude, NBA Draft Scout, NBA Draft Scouting on IG, NBA Draft Scouting on Twitter. So, those were my takes on the game. Now, on to UCLA. You know you were going to get it. You knew it was coming. And you had to know 
that it was going to be nothing but lit when I talked about it. UCLA went in and said they're not satisfied with just a sweet 16 berth. They went and beat Alabama. Now, Alabama was a number two seed, but here's the other thing. Alabama wasn't really out of the top, top six all year. This was a good team all year, okay? They got good guard play. Um, they shoot the three real well, um, and they play excellent defense. And those things were on display against UCLA in this game. They shut down UCLA for a couple times in that game for four to six-minute stretches where it seemed real bleak for UCLA. So Alabama was all of what we thought they were and maybe a little bit more. What we did see is that UCLA also brought their defense with them because there were no open looks at that three-point line. Yes, all the looks were contested by the Alabama shooters. That's what you saw. You saw a lot of Jaime Hawkins Jr. floating into that corner, getting a hand up. You saw even Cody Riley doing it. Okay? You saw guys like Jalen Clark, who just come in to play defense. He was doing it. And they got they got contributions from everybody. When Johnny Juzang was in foul trouble pretty much all pretty much late in that game and also fouling out. I mean, the contributors were everywhere. Haquez got points. Cody Riley had a four-possession um, kind of stint in that overtime where he was just getting buckets, okay? They went to him down low. He bullied his opponent, and he got buckets. And I was like, man. That's Cody Riley. That's who the kid I remember as a sophomore. That's the kid I remember getting it done as a freshman. You know, it was good to see Cody Riley do his thing and get buckets. And then David Singleton, who was a marksman and kind of lost his way for a second, shot the ball extremely well in the overtime period and late in the second in the second half. And then Jaime Haquez is just Jaime Haquez at this point. Are we even are we even surprised now that Jaime Haquez is knocking down like contested threes and Jules Bernard hitting contested threes and turning them into four point play opportunities. Are we even surprised at this point? They are the epitome of what a team is. And all of Westwood and all of the La La should be very proud of both USC and UCLA. But you know here on QP Sports Exchange, it's all about UCLA. It's all about 8 clap all day. So I'm going to give props to Coach Cronin. What a tremendous job he's doing with the program. You can't be more excited about where they're going and what their identity is. Because here's the thing. Anybody who knows UCLA basketball, especially the last 10 years, 
a team under a different coach over those last 10 years probably folds in the Sweet 16, loses to Alabama. We're all like just, you know, doing that light clap. You know what I'm talking about. Just real polite, like, oh, that's so great they got to the Sweet 16. They lost Chris Smith early in the season with the knee injury. Jalen Hill has been MIA for personal reasons. We lost Dyshawn Nix. He went to the G League instead of coming and being our five-star recruit that we wanted. Everybody would have been like, oh, it's so great they made it to the Sweet 16. No, that's not what Cronin was thinking. He was like, shit, we're here. We are here. We should just go and do what we do and try to win this ball game. So now he's on to the Elite Eight. UCLA hasn't been there since 2008. That's a long time for Bruins fans. So rejoice, Bruins out there. Rejoice in our boys getting to the Elite Eight. And just know that they're playing as a team. Know they're playing with tremendous effort. And they're leaving it all out on the court. So props to the Bruins. Props to y'all. Props to holding it down for the Pac-12. You know what I'm saying? And giving every UCLA basketball fan something to just be a sense of pride. Because, you know, we've been down for a little while. You know what I'm saying? Them Alfred years were hard on us as UCLA fans. Hard on us. But there is light. Because Mick Cronin is here. And he is putting his stamp on that program. And I can't be more joyous for this. The other thing is, keep in mind, when you are out there looking for coaches and you go for these big names and whatever, remember, Mick Cronin was like choice number four or five when it came to UCLA. Remember some of the names they were going after. Okay? Does everybody remember? It was Jamie Dixon. It was John Calipari. It was all these dudes. And then all of a sudden, Mick Cronin got the job. They even told Cronin, listen, we we would love to hire you, but we got to go chase down Calipari and Jamie Dixon first. And you know what Cronin said? Do what you got to do to get the program where it needs to go. But just to let you know, I am highly interested in you can come back around the second time and come check out your boy and I'll be ready to come to the La La. I'll be coming to Westwood and I'll be representing the four letters on the front of the uniform. That's what that dude's all about. So, hey, kudos to Cronin. Kudos to Jaime Jaquez Jr. Kudos to the rest of the boys, Tiger Campbell, David Singleton, you know what I'm saying? Johnny Juzang. You know what I'm saying? All these kids. Jalen Clark doing work. I see you out there, freshman. I see you out there, boy, doing work. I got to give my boy Mac ATN some love. Coming in early. Getting in early. Next year, you're going to be a monster, Mac. I see you out there, boy. I see you out there doing your thing. 
Shouts out to the coaching staff. You know what I'm saying? Just shouts out to the whole UCLA growing men's program. You know, we just got to give them love, give them their flowers, because they definitely showed a lot of heart, and they showed a lot of, we don't quit. We don't quit. Oh, by the way, that little salvo was for Duke's uh, Mr. Johnson, who's going in the draft, who uh, kind of left the team towards the end of the year. You know what I'm saying? Hey, bro, I hope you make it in the NBA for sure. But cutting out your, on your squad before the tournament, not a good look whether you're going to make it or not. You don't know. You don't know what could have happened. Um, let's see. Do we have, we have a couple other things to talk about, and we'll hit you with that, and then we'll get up out of here. First and foremost, the buyout market is looking like this, okay, so far. This is where we are with it. Um... There's not a lot to go off of. I'm excited about two things, obviously, is that we got Andre Drummond to the Lakers. Okay? We're going to talk a little bit about that, but let's talk about some of the other buyouts that are out there and some of them that have already signed. Keep in mind, look at who already signed. Lamar Aldridge signed with the Nets. We talked about Drummond. He's with the Lakers. And also, Gorgie James. Sign with the Spurs. Okay. Now. There's still. Austin Rivers. Otto Porter Jr. We don't know if Hassan Whiteside is going to get bought out. There's some other guys that have been waived. Over. The last couple of days. You know that were part of trades. From last week. That we got into. Your boy's tired. <sighs> He's tired. Shouts out to Zach Lowe. Shouts out to Woj for doing what they do. Because I'm going to tell you something. After the trade deadline and the and the special pod that we did. So if you have not heard that pod, it is an hour and 27 minutes of nothing but trades. And how those trades, we thought those trades went down. And... How it helps those particular teams that were involved in those trades. So, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to that pod. We put a lot of work into it. Shouts out to my guys on the ground. Getting me information. You know who you are. We all worked hard. And I'm going to tell you, I think I slept maybe 15 hours in a 96-hour period. So, man, I am happy to have gotten a little sleep. <laughs> One. And two, I'm happy that uh, collectively, you know who you are, my uh, QP Sports Exchange collective, little little shout out to Brian Winhorse out there of ESPN, but my little collective, I just want to just give y'all praise for just a tremendous job y'all did getting information and how we were on top of it, so shouts out to y'all as well. But this buyout market is interesting because of the fact that the three guys that really signed so far are big guys. It's funny, right? The NBA doesn't value big guys until the buyout market. All of a sudden, it's like everybody needs a rim-running 
a rim protector big. You know, it's like, oh yeah, got to get one of those. Let me. Who's on the Who's on the clearance rack? Oh, Andre Drummond's on the clearance rack. Oh, let's bring that cat in. <clears throat> I think there's a spot for a big man in the NBA for sure, no doubt. I think what we need to do is we need to value them a little bit better. I'm not saying that, um, you know, you got to have five on your team or anything like that. You know, like back in the day where it was like, you got to have three. You got to have three big centers on your team. That's no question about it. We understand that the league has changed, but the value in having your guy on your team the whole year who is acclimated with your defense and your defensive principles and your defensive philosophies and things of that nature is going to be omni-important as we get closer to the playoffs. Now, here's the thing. Anthony Davis and LeBron James comes back. It's going to look real, real good for the Lakers. That's why I'm not sweating what's going on right now because nobody's told me that LeBron James is out for the year. As long as they don't tell me that, we're good to go. And all reports is that we are within two weeks from Anthony Davis coming back to the Lakers. So you have been warned, NBA, that y'all was playing around early and y'all trying to give flowers to all these other teams that's not the defending, reigning NBA champions. Let's do that like Paul Heyman. Shouts out to Paul Heyman of the WWE. The Lakers are the undisputed, reigning, defending NBA champions. That's my homage to Heyman Hustle out there. Shouts out to you, Paul Heyman, and the fine work you do on the WWE, bro. You are a classic And we love you. So, with that being said, drumming to the Lakers, I the the thing that I gotta say about that is two things. One, they needed rim protector, obviously. Two, with everybody down, yo, anytime you can get thirteen to thirteen points and fifteen rebounds, it's a good day. Lamarcus Aldridge. To the Nets, um, that's a big, that's a big that can shoot. That's a big that handles his business. Um, you know that he's going to defensively position himself well. He's not the shot blocker that he used to be. Um, so he's going to have to, he knows his limitations. Hopefully with DeAndre Jordan and Nick Claxton, they have enough shot blocking to get it done. So there is that. Now, on to Gorgie Jane. This might be a pickup for the for the for the Spurs that is not just a rental for this year. They might look at this cat and get, be giving him a little run to see what he's going to be like for next year, because you always need bigs, and Gorgie can also shoot from the outside, so he has some flexibility, some lineup flexibility there. So you do have that. So that's the buyout market right now. And then there's one other note that I want to pass along. And this is for all the guys. This is all for all my prep guys out there. This is all for my for my 
little school guys out there, and this is also for even the, the, the major colleges out there. If you are trying to get into the NBA, I want you to listen to this story, okay? Moses Brown, he's now part of the OKC Thunder. He also went to UCLA. He went for one year. Moses Brown was blocking shots, dunking on people. It was crazy, you know, and then he left. And we thought at that point he was very under underdeveloped. And it proved out to be right until now because he's put a lot of work in. He's grinded. He is he's given himself to the game, and the game has rewarded him. Because he is now with the OKC Thunder. And he had a game last week where he scored 20 points and had 23 rebounds in an NBA game. So, first of all, because he is UCLA, we're going to give him a shout out. So, shout out Moses Brown. Getting it done. Way to stay after it. Way to have that tenacity. Just like QP Sports Exchange Podcast. That's what we do. We get after it. We have tenacity. We are not selling for being, you know, the 16 best football podcast. We're not. We, that's not what we're selling for. Just because we got a shout out by Bill Simmons doesn't mean we're still not coming after Bill Simmons. We are coming for that number one spot. And that's what Moses Brown did too. He got himself into the NBA. And you know what? For all you guys, when they're telling you that, you know, you, you don't do this well enough, you don't do that well enough, listen, take that information, take it, take that fuel, because they're not telling you no. They said this is what you got to work on to get here. See, people take that as a no, that that's, it's not going to happen. Mm-mm. What they told you is you got to do this. I have not said I have not said no or yes yet. So for all my guys in lower D1 schools who are getting it in after practice, getting up shots, working on their handle, working on their agility drills, working on their uh, their defensive assignments and things of that nature, getting into that iPad and looking at plays and breaking it down, keep doing it. Keep getting after it because it can pay off. So look to Moses Brown. Look to Lou Dort of OKC as well. Look to some of these guys. Look to Fred Van Vliet who's making bunches of cash in the NBA. Look to these dudes because this is the dudes that you need to pattern yourself as far as work ethic. You don't need to pattern yourself at the game. You need to pattern yourself after work ethic. Because work ethic is the key. And I'm going um, to give a little shout out to Bradley Bill. Because I saw something on the internet the other day. And it, it, uh, it struck me. Because he was talking to his AAU elite team. And he said to his team like. Listen. If you're not about this grind. And you're not about getting up these shots. To make yourself great. You know. That the league is going to pass you by. He said it in some other colorful words. You know what I'm saying. 
And, you know, that's, you know, I'm not shooting that man down at all. But what he did, because he was talking from his heart and he was talking passionate. Because he told these kids straight up, he was like, if I retire today, my mama, my daddy, and my brothers are all cool. They don't have to work another day in their life. You know what I'm saying? Because he put in the time. And what he was trying to implore to his kids is that to be great, you got to put in the time. You got to do it. So these are to my prep athletes out there who are maybe not getting that love, that spotlight that, you know, the five-star dudes are getting. You know, just because you end up at Boise State, just because you end up at Weber State, just because you end up at Santa Clara, just because you end up at San Diego State doesn't mean that you can't have a great NBA career, win championships, make a lot of money, all that. Look at Damian Lillard. Look at C.J. McCollum. That's a Lehigh grad. Kawhi Leonard went to San Diego State. Steve Nash, who's a Hall of Famer, went to Santa Clara. You know what I'm saying? There's some schools. Steph Curry went to Davidson. Tell me where Davidson is. Who cares? Tell me you know exactly where Davidson is without looking it up on your phone. Right? You don't have to be going to the Blue Bloods. Now, if you do go to a Blue Blood, go to UCLA. You know, shout out to UCLA. McCronin, I'm always going to recruit for you, player. I got you. You know what I'm saying? It was cool to see you with your dad. Those were great moments when his dad was in the stands just as intense as Mick Cronin. Rooting on his son. That that brought me chills. But no to my to my guys out there aspiring to get into the league or aspiring to do podcasts or aspiring to do music or art or whatever creative that you want to do. You got to stay on your grind. You got to continue to work. You know, the first draft is not always going to be the best draft. You know what I'm saying? It takes time. It takes practice. It takes continuing wanting to grow. It's continuing to get those critiques and making it better. Shots out to some of my guys who helped me along the way. Shots out to Coach T. Shots out to um, to, to, to uh, some of my people back in Boston. Who kind of listen to the program and say, hey, you know, what about this? Or are you allowing your personality to get in there? Listen, with this QP Nation community and with QP Sports Exchange, we are trying to get better every day. So that's why I want to say just like this. Listen, we need to get interactive. You got to hit me up on Twitter, QPP Network. And on Instagram and Facebook, it's Question Point Pod Network. We want to hear from you so we can go ahead and to put a quality podcast together. And also, let us know your thoughts on multiple things. One, if you have a prep athlete or if there's a team that we're not talking about, uh, pro or college, on the football level or on the basketball level, you know this is Who Questions Monday. So we're going to definitely lean toward the basketball. If there's a team that we're not spotlighting, let us know on QPP Network 
on Question Point Pod Network on IG or Facebook. And we will get that information to you because we are a podcast of the people. This is a people podcast. And with that, we're going to get up out of here. Um, listen, audience, man, fans, listeners, we so blessed, man. We are so blessed. I'm so blessed to, to be able to do this for you. Um, prayers up to all of you. Um, keep downloading and subscribing. I'm so grateful to every last one of you. Tell a friend. Tell somebody to get on this because we building it from the ground up. All right. And I'll say this. Be good to yourself. Make sure you take care of you. Okay. Um, make sure you get that time to unwind. Make sure you get that time to, to unrelinquish those stresses of the day that kind of bog you down. And shut off some of the creative juices. Because keep in mind, I'm always on the lookout for talent. If you want a podcast or you want to write on my website, get in touch with me. At QPP Network on Twitter and on Question Point Pod Network on IG and Facebook. Then, take care of your neighbor. You know, have a friendly word. Give a smile. Say hi. You know, if you got a little bit, you know, extra as far as food, you know, you see somebody out there who might be struggling, give it to them. And then that leads us to our third thing. If there's worthwhile organizations out there that are helping out people who are less fortunate than we are, please donate to those worthwhile organizations or donate your time. And volunteer. Because your ray of sunshine might be the difference in somebody choosing the light way or the dark way. And I ain't trying to put that type of pressure on you. But you never know who's looking and who's watching and who's seeing what your light is bringing to the world. You might inspire somebody and you don't even know it. So keep that in mind. All right. So we're going to wrap it up for today. Thank you again. And uh, everybody stay blessed. And uh, we are absolutely bouncing.